for launch in three, two, one. Go. This is a dangerous beat that we're dealing with now. Introducing the Dog Pound Daily Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Sight. I must be louder. And site expert Stephen Kabitza. If it's a blowout, Monday's podcast is going to be a bummer. But if they win, it's going to be a party. This DJ is so funky, man. Okay, let's go. The Cleveland Browns have now picked up losses in two different continents this season after a brutal loss in London to the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. I'm Stephen Kabitza. I'm joined by Andrew Seipt. Andrew, did you get a chance to enjoy your afternoon today? Oh, it was great. I Actually, if the Browns, if we can select the 930 option for all Browns games moving forward, I'd be pretty okay with that, not going to lie. It was nice, and not just because it got the misery out of the way. Had a full Sunday to watch real football. Yeah. I was just say you get to cheer on your real teams now. Like your fantasy teams. Those are the teams we all really care about. So. But to the game, the Browns are now 0-8. In a game, they let at halftime. How insane. They were up 13-12. Second half, they were outscored 21-3. Mistakes, missed opportunities, the similar themes. Real quick, do you have any main positives to take away from this game? It's sad that it's come to this point where... Well, at least they were in it in the first half, you know, they weren't getting blown out, which I guess is something to take away from that. We didn't have any red zone turnovers. Uh, Penalties were down in this game, but, you know, just the Browns still weren't able to move the ball well enough to even, like, when Minnesota even got that seven-point lead, you felt like that was a much larger lead than just one touchdown, just based on how inefficient the offense was, you know, in just moving the ball. And the game started on a good note. An interception of Case Keenum. Then the Browns have a two-play touchdown drive. You texted me. You were excited. But it was before Zane Gonzalez missed the extra point. Was that a sign of doom for you? Because it was for me. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things where you you see them actually come out to a fast start, make a play on defense, get the ball in Viking territory. And then not only that, but capitalize on it off a running play, no less. You know, really establishing that, you know, maybe this is the day or the, the week that the Browns are going to get a victory. And then to cap it off with a missed extra point, you know, it just kind of highlights like this team does one something very good, but then immediately does something equally as bad, like in the in the next two or three plays. So they've just got to eliminate those plays and it's going to come with time, I guess. It does seem like there is a distinct balance in the universe that revolves around the Browns. They have a touchdown play, miss the extra point. They defense forces the Vikings into a field goal, turnover. 71-yard kick return, missed field goal. It's like, I mean, that was right in a point in the game, too, where the Browns needed to score that day's kick return. It was a really good, like, pick-me-up from a special teams unit that otherwise we haven't really seen anything out of, and you know, just give some, someone to provide a spark in that game, and it happened, and then you miss a field goal, it takes the air completely right out of whatever momentum you're trying to establish. So I I think Hugh Jackson said it already, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a new kicker on Sunday or at least someone to uh, to light a fire underneath Zane Gonzalez's butt to make him not miss any more field goals. Yeah, with the bye week coming up, there's no reason why they shouldn't at least try out some kickers. Um, and to the mistakes moving away from the field goals, the first one came early in the game. The Browns are up 6-3. to three. 
Oh, wait, this was when they were still up 6 nothing. actually. So, yeah, this is why it's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. They're up 6 nothing after the touchdown. Defense forces a punt. Had an interception the first drive. Great start. Bryce Treggs muffs the punt. And then the defense forces a field goal at 6-3. to three, But at that point, it's almost, oh, man, this is... We're just waiting for the Vikings to overtake the Browns, but they still, the game still remained close through halftime, like I said, with the Browns having the lead. But that Bryce Treggs fumble is just three free points. At, and the final score of 33 points for the Vikings, it doesn't stand out too much, but just another example of just insane mistakes, especially for the special teams unit. Well, they, they gave up points where it wasn't a direct correlation to how bad the offense was. You know, like so often we've seen fumbles in the red zone or like fumbles that give them really good field position interceptions in these cases you know yeah it's a fumble but it's on a special teams play you know it's not something that we've seen out of Deshaun or something like we've seen out of Deshaun Kaiser it's it's just those plays that just bug you as a coach I'm sure because it's not something that like we've already run into every other problem you can imagine on both sides of the ball in terms of giving up points but there was another one where Hugh Jackson you know, used a timeout instead of running the play clock down, and that enabled Minnesota go, to go get points before the end of the half. But I, I, I don't really have a problem with that because when you're as bad as the Browns are, you need all of your, you need everyone to be on the same page because you need a touchdown at that point. But it, it's just little things like that that this team continues to do, like letting teams go down and score by the end, by the end of the half that are just not going to translate that translate into victories. Another real turning point in the game, and once again, I wouldn't say this lost the game, but it certainly didn't help, was on the first play of the second half. Browns come out with a 13-12 lead. Isaiah Crowell runs up the middle and is stripped. When you saw this play, was it another sense of doom, or did you think, oh, man, you know, they forced him to a field goal after that? Did you still have any hope at that point? No, it's just another example of where the Browns are at. You know, they're just not good and when you come out of a half there's probably some sort of game plan that you guys are adjustments that they're supposed to be making and the first first play you know it's a pretty good run by Crowell you know he has a pretty good hole and he's just grabbed you see him jerk it jerk a little bit as if he's grabbed and he was and turns out the ball's loose and then all of a sudden all the momentum that Cleveland had moving in after the touchdown drive with two minutes left and even though they gave up a field goal you know it was still like the first time the Browns have had a halftime lead all season so I believe it was the first, right? I, I could be wrong. Yeah, their lead against the Jets lasted for like five minutes. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, they have a halftime lead. They're getting the ball to start the second half. You can see, like, some movement. They had an 82-yard touchdown drive, um, which was just like, I mean, that, that that's kind of what we need to see in terms of the, the progression that we haven't seen so far this year. And to come out and fumble the ball in the first play in the second half, you know, really set the tone for what was to come. And like I said, they forced a Vikings field goal. The defense had another nice stand. And then the Browns got the ball back after a 71-yard return by Matthew Days. Mm -hmm. Missed field goal. But even then, the game was not lost. They forced a Vikings three and out. The Browns got a field goal. It's 16-15. They had the lead. But from that point on, the Vikings scored 18 unanswered points. It really was just a sense of, you know, this defense is making stops and holds, but there's offense just wasn't putting up enough points, and then there's more three and outs, and it gets to a point where the defense can only do so much if the offense is so stagnant week in and week out. Yeah, I mean, the, the Browns were up, and I'm just making sure I'm reading this correctly. 
the Browns were up 16 to 15 with five minutes left in the third quarter. And from there on out, they were outscored. What was it? 18, nothing, 18, nothing, 18, nothing. I mean, it's the defense can only hang on for so long. And when your offense is not being able to, to sustain drives or eat up some of the clock, you know, that th- these are the situations you're going to find yourself in. I mean, you look at the time of possession stats, Minnesota, 37 minutes, 52 seconds, the Browns t- just 22 minutes. You're not going to win a football game like that. 20, 26 first downs for Minnesota, 16 for the Browns. And the Browns only had 13 drives. So just over one first down a drive. That's, <laughs> that's terrible. So uh, until that improves, you know, I think these are some some more common themes that we're going to be accustomed to. One minor positive from the game, which, I mean, isn't great because they lost. I'd say one thing that stands out as a good thing is that Sean Kaiser didn't turn the ball over. He also didn't really complete that many passes either. So It's almost like this was the play calling. Um, I know he wasn't completing passes, but in general, this was the kind of game we kind of expected to see earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like Hugh Jackson did it backwards. He was like, all right, you're running the full playbook, and then he failed, and now it's like you're going to be really conservative, and then at well, this point I don't think he knows what's going on. Yeah, and I, I don't – I mean, you look at Mitchell Trubisky, and, and they're really you know, limiting his pass attempts because you're, you're just limiting the risk that's involved with uh, involving a rookie quarterback. But now they've starting to, started to open it up a little bit, and it, you're right, it is puzzling to see because – Deshaun, Deshaun Kaiser was 50 picks behind Mitchell Trubisky in the draft, and probably for good reason. I, all season long, it really didn't make much sense to me to make the guy who's already a known inaccurate passer to have to drop back 45 times, but here we are. So I, I think the Browns are finally at the point now where they're they're going to be forced to run the ball. They did a good job today, 22 carries, 115 yards. Crowell was averaging close to six yards a carry. Um and again, in the second half, they kind of went away from that. But you know, it's a decent. There are some things to be to be positive about, but you know, the team just not. They're unable to close out a victory, and they've got to play perfect in order to win. And until that happens, it's just going to be more of the same. And at this point, I don't see that perfect win or perfect game coming that results in a win. I think if they do win, it'll be an ugly game, kind of like the Tennessee game where the other team also makes a lot of mistakes. Um, but today was, an ex- I mean, another game you could call winnable. And just, like you said, we've seen every possible mistake. Um, it doesn't really surprise me anymore. I was watching with some friends, and he was like, oh, they're winning, this is good. And it's like, no, Kaiser's missing passes. They're not running the ball. The defense is holding, but at some point, the better team is just going to statistically <laughs> take over. Um, just stop. Well, I mean, even on the defensive side of the ball, the secondary was basically not there. I mean, Case Keenum had no no problems throwing into coverage. Adam Thielen was open all day. Jarek McKinnon was open out of the backfield every day. Those two alone were 20 targets out of his 43 attempts. So you know a bulk of the or know exactly where a bulk of those targets are going. They they took away the deep ball, but again, you're leaving stuff open right in the middle of the field. I think there were a couple times on third and short, like third and eight to maybe third and 15 that they're able to get these first downs and you almost, you you scratch your head because like those are the plays you need to make to get off the field. You have to get off the field on third downs in order to, to beat teams like this. If you're an underdog, you know, we talk about a perfect game. It's plays like that third and long third and where you're supposed to be able to not give up 16 yards. 
the Browns continue to, to give up 17 yards in those situations. So it's just a matter of cleaning up those little things to turn the direct, turn the game in your favor versus always trying to be on your heels as a defense. I think it was the Kyle Rudolph touchdown where Jamar Taylor looked at Ibrahim Campbell and was like yelling at him, but Kyle Rudolph had his feet planted and it was a lobbed pass and dropped it right into him. Yep. It's like, how does this happen at this point in the season? But I guess that's why they're 0-8. Yeah, I, I mean, exactly right. They're 0-8. It, it, when you have no veterans on the team that understand, like, it, stuff like that. You know, Ibrahim Campbell and, and it was it Jamar Taylor, you said? I mean, those two guys, how often do they work together? How often have they played together? What Do they understand? You know, it's, again, new defense, so not having veterans that at least understand the defense is probably a little frustrating for those guys too, because you look at the guy Deshaun Kaiser not having a veteran presence. You know, imagine being on an entire defense where you're all kind of around the same age, looking to run um, a new defense. And Jason McCourty, I think, is the only guy with probably any experience. But again, no veteran presence on there is part of the reason why you get blown out in the second half of games because you just you're una- you're not able to make the same second half adjustments or maybe not necessarily make the adjustments, but execute those adjustments as well as the other team. So after another game of total garbage, the Browns are 0-8, heading into the bye week at the halfway point of the season. And I think a lot of talk this week is going to be rumblings out of Berea, whether they're true or not, or simply rumors. It's going to be about, will the team fire Hugh Jackson? Will they make a change in the front office? Will they hire a president? Anything. Do you foresee anything happening over the over the bye week and even leading up till you know the Lions game I don't think so I think this unless this game at least my thoughts coming in unless this game turned out to be like a you know the Browns absolutely got absolutely embarrassed which they didn't you know it was very competitive through two two and a half quarters you know I think that's that's the point where they would have started to look at (laughs) leaving someone behind you know I'm surprised they didn't leave Kenny Britt behind as well but no, I, I think Ian Rappaport had a, a tweet or a, a comment today that Hugh Jackson's job is safe, at least for the foreseeable future. I don't know if that extended to the the off season and going into next season, but and all the any changes that would take place would take place at the end of the year, which I think is good for the team. What about or what do you think about that? The only change I see would be a new kicker. I don't see anything changing, and I do agree. If they got if they got blown out like the uh, Dolphins did, forty to nothing on yeah. Thursday, then it might be like, hey, is Hugh Jack would it, would firing Hugh Jackson really be worse <laughs> if it lasts eight games and keeping him? But yeah, I don't see anything drastically changing. I think we could hear some stuff about maybe interviews for a team president or Jimmy has a meeting with someone if that leaks out. But making a midseason change for an zero and eight team. In the second year of a process that the owner agreed to, it just really wouldn't make any sense. It would, ju- it would kind of signal like, hey, we're, we're already 0-8, so obviously we're going to not finish well, but we're giving up now. Well, I, and- I don't think it's giving up, though. You know, it, the question then becomes, if you do bring in a president, you know, is Sashi Brown willing to put his ego aside and go back to, you know, whatever role he was in before. And would that be okay with those guys in that room? Because it is kind of weird then like essentially being fired, still being with the company, but not really having that same decision power. So if that kind of thing is going to happen, you know, I I think there's going to be some, 
ego checking or you know politics that have to play themselves out in that scenario. But one thing I think that's a little more, I would say realistic, but thinking of speaking of egos, Hugh Jackson, I don't think it's likely to happen. I think the Browns need to bring in an offensive coordinator for Hugh Jackson desperately. Um, I think it's quite evident that he's got far too much on his plate and, you know, just having a, a guy work specifically with the offense. And I think that like similar to what Pep Hamilton was last year. I mean, I think that was his guy and he, obviously he went to Michigan with Jim Harbaugh, but I think that's something that's desperately needed. But uh, Again, unlikely to happen, I think, at this point. Yeah, they could even just promote someone on the staff and say, hey, this is like a tryout for you to be offensive coordinator. Hugh can still call the plays. Yeah. It's not a demotion of any sense. It's actually a, probably a benefit. Why, but then at that point, why do you have to, you know, I think if you're sticking with the play calling, that's the whole reason why you would give up or why I think you should give up offensive play calling duties. You know, I think we got to this point even in the second half. As soon as Crowell fumbled that ball, you know, we kind of went away from the run again. And it wasn't whether it was being ineffective or what, but Deshaun Kaiser is still completing around 50% of his balls. So you're not going to move the ball that way. You've got to be able to stick to the run. And I think Hugh Jackson is just still unwilling to do that. And I think getting a new, a fresh set of eyes inside that playbook, or at least in terms of the game flow with this team, I think would do it a, a lot of good, similar to what we saw with the Giants going into Denver and beating them on the ground. It is crazy because you think, you know, offensive play calling for most teams, that's a full-time job, just planning that out. Mm -hmm. Hugh Jackson has to try and get all the intel that other coordinators use while the defense is on the field, but he's still got to be at the front of the sidelines watching and coaching. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how how he could even fathom doing such a thing and why after, what are they now, 1-23 in under his tenure? Yeah. Why would they, like, why would even be, I'm sure it's been thought of. I'm sure Sashi Brown at least once has said maybe we should try and get an offensive coordinator i don't know if it's stubbornness or if it's i'm sure this it is, is just their plan but it's definitely stubbornness i mean how could you it's again it goes back to your ego you know all he's done his whole career is, is he's called his plays he did well calling plays but again being a coordinator is a lot different than being a head coach there's a lot of guys that are that are great coordinators josh mcdaniels wade phillips Greg Williams, for example, like all those guys are great, but I'm sure like in head coaching roles, they didn't succeed because it's a different job entirely. So if you're a good coordinator, that's fine. But you also need to have someone that is basically your right hand man on offense. So it does take it off of your plate a little bit and you don't become overwhelmed, which I think is what we were seeing or what we have seen so far in Hugh Jackson's tenure. It's just another Brown situation. Where it's like, oh, this seems easy. We'll just get him a coordinator a year and a half in. I mean, teams change nothing. it all the time. The Ravens change. They I, How many times have they changed from, I feel like, Cam Cameron or Marty Morningweg or and some whatever? Some teams change during a playoff run. Exactly. And, and the Bengals did it earlier this year, too. I mean, sometimes it does work. And I don't know if there's an outside candidate, but I think what you said is a good point. is just promote somebody internally. It's I just somebody the quarterbacks coach something's got to change you can't keep going out here and I, I don't know if it's a scheme thing or what but I look at teams like Buffalo I look at teams like Oakland I mean their receivers are open and they just happen to play each other today too so I think that's why I said that but just just being able to scheme, scheme routes where receivers get open and is catch and run opportunities granted they have to catch the ball but still we don't see that from this team we see screens we see out routes we see deep out routes and you know comeback routes across the middle with receivers that are less than stellar but all these guys i assume are pretty athletic to some point so 
just put them in space and let them get going versus trying to force throws with a quarterback who's obviously inaccurate. Yeah, they have talent on the team. It's just utilized poorly. And if I think a good example of why he needs to give up the play calling was when they were in Houston. Kevin Hogan was in, and they are running 10-yard curls or comeback routes to the outside. Mm-hmm. And Ke- those throws are going to be jumped every time if the quarterback's inexperienced. Yeah, he doesn't have the arm He's making the throw it. he's supposed to for the route, but... Well, he doesn't have the arm strength. Yeah, I mean, same thing with Kessler. I mean, they don't have the arm strength to be able to get that ball 20, 15, 20 yards on the sideline. But again, we don't have, like if we had DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller, sure, run those routes all day long because those guys are going to gain separation. Why you continue to call routes for that call for getting separation for receivers who can't get separation is just the definition of insanity. You know, you, you wonder why these guys struggle, and it's because you're just not calling route or creating plays that utilize their skill set. Just send, like, do some, some crossing routes. Do something. I mean, just get the ball in their hands to move it because you can't, you can't keep being so stagnant on offense. Or, or they'll be 0-16. Yeah. That's a will. general fear. And moving into the second half of the season, I want to ask – we got your record predictions at the beginning of the year and throughout the offseason. How many wins will the Browns finish with this year? Oh, you're asking me again? Like as a, yes. a halfway mark? Oy. I'm going to have to say I want, I want to give them one. I really do. Seven? The Packers didn't play this week, so, I mean, it, it keeps me – the mystery is still there because they could end up being absolutely – worse than the Browns but I'm gonna have to say one I think they'll win one I don't know where it's coming but I think they'll win one I'm also gonna go with one because I looking at it's not even just the schedule they could have the 49ers eight times and I'd still be (laughs) like I don't know it's this well we can even break it down they got at Detroit no playoff playoff team Jacksonville could sneak in the playoffs oh we're not beating Jacksonville at Cincinnati, they're not too good this year, but I th- they're still better than the Browns. Not going to win that game. At the Chargers, in what may be a Browns home game. Not going to win that game. Versus Green Bay with Brett Hundley. Might win that game. Probably not going to win that game. At home versus Baltimore. Not going to win that game. <laughs> on the road on Christmas Eve against Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears. That could be an interesting game, but... Would you say at home or in Chicago? At Chicago. Not going to win that game. And then the annual at Pittsburgh Week 17 on New Year's Eve, a celebration. We'll only win if they're sitting Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Well, they sat him last year, and the Browns turned the ball over 50 times. I understand, but I, I hope that's I hope they sit them for that game to at least give the Browns a chance to not go 0-16. That would be the best birthday present of all, I, I would imagine. Just just get out of the same, – same thing as last year. Just get out of the record books. Don't go 0-16. Uh, maybe they'll squeak out another one, but I don't know. If they can get some sort of mid-level quarterback, like A.J. McCarron, if they can trade for A.J. McCarron, you know, at the trade deadline, I think that's the only way they have a chance to win a game, and that's <laughs> trading for another team's backup quarterback in hopes. Well, I believe the trade deadline is week eight, which oh, is so today. this week, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I-, I can see why they may like Hugh Jackson would want a guy like AJ McCarron or Josh McCown to come in here and play because I think that's one thing this team's desperately missing. We talk about a guy 
or needing a quarterback that can just move the ball or understands the offense. You know, we all kind of scoffed at the thought of giving up a third round pick for AJ McCarron because you don't think he's the guy, but maybe that's the whole idea. You know, you're not, you're not trading for AJ McCarron because he's your franchise quarterback. You know, you're trading for AJ McCarron because he's a guy that can just play, just move the football down the field and be a quarterback on your team that starts 16 games, that doesn't turn the ball over in the red zone, that completes 65% of his passes, you know, things that normal quarterbacks should be able to do. You know, I think that's what Hugh Jackson wants out of the quarterback position more than anything at this point. So maybe that's why their plan, like that's why we heard all those rumblings early on this season. And maybe now it's become becoming a point of frustration with uh, the coaching staff in the front office. It's certainly going to be an interesting two weeks, specifically the full off week, because a bye week is supposed to be completely silenced. It's be like, ah, nice week of rest. But you know, every day there's going to be something coming out. And wow. then the week leading up to the Lions game, same thing. They'll be back in the front of the media. And I just hope nothing drastic happens because we are going to take the week off. But... If something insane happens, we'll have to do an emergency pod, such as if Josh Gordon is reinstated (laughs) mid-bye week. It's going to be an emergency podcast like Saturday night at like 11 p.m. Hear heavy breathing. (laughs) Uh, I don't envision anything crazy. Like, I think that that would be what's the baseline for an emergency podcast? Like if Josh Gordon were to return. I think it goes ranked Hugh Jackson fired. Yeah. Sashi Brown fired. Josh Gordon comes back. So we're saying like eight or higher, I would say. Probably nothing like like a six or a seven's probably like. Like if they get a new kicker, no. Yeah, I would say that's probably a five or a six. Like I don't, I don't care. I don't care too much about that. Well, so that would probably be about a three or a four. But. Or if they trade for Andrew Luck, if they send all 50 of their draft picks. I would picks. do it. I would trade the entire draft. No, not the entire And then draft. as soon as he gets <laughs> here, they'll be like, yeah, he has nerve damage. He's retired. Yeah. Well, I no! w- they did say that he found more pain in his shoulder today, and they're looking into it. But, I, I mean, I would give up a first rounder for him right now or a second, whatever would be the. Well, I'd give up a second pass. rounder for him, too. Even if he <laughs> may not be able to play, that's nothing. Yeah. And who are they going to take with it? Uh, trust me this is five eleven for getting defensive more draft lineman. picks that's the whole thing with getting all these draft picks yeah you can trade away established players all you want but you're getting you know what second rounder hopefully that guy is uh is able to fill the shoes of whatever you gave up for it so it doesn't i don't know i guess they have a plan maybe they can leverage getting a guy like saquon barkley and trading back into the top five and getting a quarterback that they want next year as well so yeah, that would definitely be an emergency pod topic too. Well, that's so a trade breakdown. Well, that's not something that would happen over the bye week. But again, it, it's those kind of moves that make you wonder: like, is that something that's in their final plans? Because it, it's something that I think about. Like, they could do what they did in draft day, which is take Saquon Barkley, then trade back into the top five. We we saw maybe this was something that could have happened this year too with a guy like Mitch Trubisky. But maybe it's something that. You know they're going to try and do again this year. You know, you have six picks in the or five picks in the top one hundred. You're not you can't take five new guys and put them on the team. If you have a chance to get Saquon Barkley and a quarterback, you know I think those are the moves that make a front office look a lot better on paper. And what we've seen so far, you know all these moves look great on paper, but until they pan out on the field, that's when we could start giving Sashi and his front office the benefit of the doubt. So I think that's that's it for us this week. I don't I don't think I can talk about the Browns. Much longer this week. I'm going to enjoy the bye week. 
Oh, I'm totally going to enjoy the bye week, not have to deal with this. I mean, that, it was it was so nice. It's almost like my Browns vacation started early with it being <laughs> a 930 game. So I was pretty happy about that. It's the life we live. But yeah, we will be off this week. And barring an emergency, we'll be back next week. I'm praying we won't have to be back this week, but you never know us, the Browns. Um, please subscribe to us on iTunes if you haven't done so already. Leave us a review. That'd be very nice. And reach out to us on Twitter at Daily. Please tweet topics at us or topics to discuss in the show, not random topics. Ask us questions. Uh, yeah. Give us some – Give us. we come on here and talk about the same stuff every week, but we want to hear from you guys. What do you guys want to hear? What do you guys want to ask us? What do you want to know our thoughts on? That's what we're here for. Yes. Yeah, so please do that. And as always, thank you for listening.